Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 21st. And my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors at First Family. And in case you're just joining us or haven't listened in a bit, the Extra Point Podcast is all about bringing some additional insight or extra observations to the text that we looked at last week. On this episode, however, I'd like to bring some additional insight, maybe some resources to the text that we've looked at for the last several weeks. And I'm going to do so by highlighting a couple of books that I've read lately that I think would um, bring further insight and be a source of help to you. Um, the, the, the book that I mainly want to mention is, an, is a biography of George Whitfield. The title, of course, is George Whitfield. It's by Arnold Dallymore. And I really enjoyed the book. It's a um, chronological overview of his life with details about the revivals, his work both in England as well as in Georgia when Georgia was an initial colony. Uh, in fact, he ministered there to orphans uh, when Georgia was no more than about a thousand people. Of course, this is in the 1700s. And so uh, George Whitfield was just an important um, evangelist, a preacher, revivalist on the American and um, English landscape in those early years. Now, in case you don't know, one of the things you'll find out in the book, and, and you'll love reading it, is that he was contemporaries with, of course, John and Charles Wesley. And uh, they began together believing the same thing. They were both, uh, they were all three very ardent in their pursuit of God. But even as they were just young men, um, even in their early training of college and so forth, they were actually not born again. They were just very good moral men who were trying to do religious things in the name of God, uh, probably with a good heart and motive. Their intentions were good, but they were doing it as unregenerate people. In fact, I think you'll find that in the book and other books, but in this book especially, they were doing it to earn their way to heaven to try to uh, you know, get favor with God. And the book lays out <clears throat> uh, where this, um, the, the time in which all three of these came to Christ. Um, of course, they were part of the Holy Club. That's what they called it when they were doing so much for the Lord. And yet after they were in the Holy Club is when they came to Christ. Um, and so the book details all three of their conversions. Um, George Whitfield was really brought to Christ. I think he had his conversion regeneration moment upon reading a book by Henry Skogel. It's S-C-O-U-G-A-L. Um, he was a writer in the 1600s. The name of the book is The Life of God in the Soul of Man. And so I searched it and found a, a free PDF of it. It's not a very long book. In fact, this book uh, the Life of God in the Soul of Man is really a long letter written to an unbelieving friend. And so it's kind of become a book now. He uses the word religion to talk about the relationship with Christ. But this is the, the book that uh, George Whitfield read that kind of paved the way for God to move in his heart uh, and bring him to a place of saving faith. And of course, John and Charles Wesley as well, in their own manner, uh, the Lord saved them. And so these three were fervent, and now at this point, um, you know, born-again evangelists, preachers, both uh, on both sides of the pond, we'll call it. 
What I think was most interesting, and the reason I bring this up today on this podcast, is because even though they were all three born again and were preaching fervently and um, mightily in the power of the Spirit of the Lord, there did come a parting of ways between the three. And it was over the point of sanctification uh, as well as election. Yes, election and predestination, but even sanctification. In other words, how does God save and change people? And this is the uh, point of divide between Whitfield and the Wesleys. And the book really talks about this in, in length and in detail. I thought it was very fascinating. Um, and as you know, the Wesleys are responsible for the Methodist movement ultimately. And of course, uh, they insisted upon, as time went by, they insisted upon two things. One is that um, it is man who ultimately decides um, when and where and how they get saved. They would maintain it is through Christ alone. Uh, it's the gospel, but they would maintain that it is man's uh, will that ultimately um, creates the moment. Whereas Wesley, excuse me, whereas Whitfield uh, maintained that God chooses and he uh, predetermines, he predestines, and that it is all an act of God and it's something that we simply then respond to. And so they had this debate and argument, and as the debate ensued and as the division grew, and I believe they were civil and polite in their exchanges. Many many sermons on both sides were published during that era. Uh, they were distributed, and there were people taking sides. It sounds almost like today's church culture at times over these issues, you know. Um, but they also then found division and, and different perspectives on sanctification. The Wesleys believed there was a point of sinless perfection that you could attain, and Whitfield did not. He believed that sin would always remain, and yet God had given victory over sin uh, through the Holy Spirit, but that he wouldn't be rid of sin and reach any kind of perfection until, uh, as he said, you know, his body was dead. And so you had these points of differences between these three really revival preachers. And I think it's interesting because really what it comes down to is whether it's in salvation or in sanctification, their point of difference was uh, who is the author of either? Who's the author of salvation? Who's the author of sanctification? Who's the fuel behind it? Who's the uh, engine behind making sure that uh, those who are called generally are actually effectively called to the point of salvation. And then those who are called, who is the engine, the fuel to make sure those who are called are conformed to the image of his son. And the Wesleys would believe that man's free will, as they would as they would call it, is the engine. And uh, Whitfield would believe it was God's calling and power and spirit that was the engine. Now, I don't want to debate that on this podcast. I simply want to make you aware of this, that um, uh, this this was the uh, the divide and remains the difference in really uh, what we now know to be um, um, a Baptistic type of viewpoint and a Methodist type of viewpoint, especially the idea of sinless perfection. So as we've talked in recent weeks about putting off, being renewed, and putting on from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, I think it's verses 17 through about 32, that whole section there. You know, there's this general call to holiness. Then there's this um, particular conduct of holiness. As we've looked at that, then the Wesleyans, the Wesley brothers, and what 
uh, is now known as their movement, you know, Methodism, uh, they would maintain that you can, in that human endeavor and achievement of putting off and putting on, achieve some type of sinless perfection even in this life. They would say that's what sanctification ultimately can be in this life, whereas those in the Whitfield camp, we'll call it, uh, would see victory over sin as undoubtedly possible, but not in a perfectionist way, not that you would rid yourself of all sin, but instead you would enjoy victory through the Holy Spirit, but still would retain sin of the sin nature. Uh, as we say often, um, sin still remains in us, though we don't have to give in to its power. And so I thought about our approach to this change that God brings to us, this both internal and external re-wardrobing, as we've called it several weeks. And let's just be clear that in the text of Ephesians 4, the engine behind it all, the, the, the driver, the motivation, the fuel for every bit of that change, as well as the calling to that change, is Jesus Christ. He's the reason for it. He's the power behind it. He's the reason we came to uh, him, him. He drew us. He's changing us. And so uh, we don't want to remove Christ from that central place of, of uh, motivation and fuel. And we saw this in the text in various ways. Um, when they're commanded to walk differently, uh, Paul immediately says, this is not how you learned Christ. I think that's verse 20 of Ephesians 4, indicating that Christ is the new way we walk, and He drew us to Himself. He taught us the truth that's in Him. Uh, we received Him. We heard of Him. And then even as He uh, outlines for us the particular conduct in these, what I think are five uh, traits that lead us towards unity in the church, uh, each one has a an accompanying motivation that's that's reflected in God's character and conduct. And so everything about these verses is pointed toward Christ being the centerpiece of both our salvation and sanctification. And to that we cling, to that uh, we hold, it's that which we preach, that Jesus Christ is the key. Uh, he's the exclusive motivation and anchor point for all of our salvation and all of our sanctification. So this uh, on this Tuesday, I just want to encourage you, um, pick up the books. Um, uh, George Whitfield is the name of the one um, by Dally Moore. And then the other one's called The Life of God and the Soul of Man. I must give you one final exhortation. The second book I've mentioned written in the mid-1600s, which I'm a fan of reading old books by dead guys, uh, this book probably leans towards the Wesleyan view. So as you read it, there are, are many moments in which you see he's uh, describing how the only way to change is through an act of God on our behalf in our nature. That's called regeneration. But I think at times uh, he does lean towards um, really boarding the train of human effort when it comes to changing and uh, getting rid of the old and putting on the new. And I'll admit there is a mysterious participation in our sanctification, no doubt, but uh, it will ultimately happen. God will conform every single one of his children to the image of Christ. That's his promise. And so based on that alone, we know that Jesus Christ is the source and fuel for every bit of that. And so just be aware of that as you read the book by Henry Skogel, 
the life of God and the soul of man. It probably leans more towards uh, Charles and John Wesley's view, even though the Lord in his providence used it to bring George Whitfield to faith. So just some um, insight from two books I've read recently and how they kind of intersect with our last three or four weeks of preaching. Uh, I would highly encourage you to be an avid reader, whether it's an audio form or whether it's just in a printed version. Um, but it's a great way to continue to grow spiritually, even um, to expand your knowledge base. And I think in regards to this current set of messages, these two books could be helpful and insightful and for sure just entertaining as you read about George Whitfield, John and Charles Wesley, and their interactions over this very subject. Well, I'll talk to you again next week on the Extra Point Podcast. Thanks for joining me today.